0: Hello, everybody, welcome. Thanks for spending some time with us here in, uh, in Cinema 4. So helping you clap this session um, are the beautiful people on the stage. Uh, when you came in, you heard the intro for The Muppet Show, which is basically what this session is all about. My name is Kermit, and our special guests for today will introduce themselves, <laughs> starting with the lovely gentleman on my left.
1: Julien. Uh, Am I gonzo? (laughs) If you want, (laughs) but I'll have to shoot you through the ceiling afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) You have been dreaming of that for years. For years, yeah. (laughs) So I'm Julien Bord. I am head of SVOD at France Television. I spent 20 years in that business running children and youth content, both first for Disney and then for France TV. I am now in that on demand new universe, and it's fascinating. And it's my first time at CMC. I am a CMC virgin. Uh, And I'm I'm really happy to discover and to have a better understanding of the UK market. Thank you very much, Julian. Linda?
2: Hi, I'm Linda Siminski. I'm from PBS, which is the public broadcaster in the United States. Uh, If I were a Muppet, I would be Beaker, (laughs) sadly, Uh, or maybe Animal. (laughs) Maybe Oscar the Grouch. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a tough one. But um, I am in charge of programming, production, and development for kids at PBS. And uh, I have worked in the kids' TV area pretty much my entire career, first at Nick, then at Cartoon, now at PBS. And uh, I have um, I have I've basically dedicated my career to making sure that things are funny for kids. And uh, and so, um, what brings me here to CMC, I think, is uh, uh, well, it's really it's the fact that you all speak English, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good festival to go to if you're an American and you slept through your language classes. But uh, actually, I, I I like coming to this conference because I, uh, I I we we do things very differently in the U.S. than. Uh, people do here, and I I just love hearing about uh, how people are thinking and what people are trying to do. And uh, there actually are a lot of similarities as well.
0: Thank you, Linda, for answering all the questions I had in the entire session in your introduction.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Muppet one was, was, you didn't even ask that one, but I answered it. (laughs) Okay, we move to Pauline.
3: Uh, I'm Pauline McNamara. I work with RTE in Ireland, public service broadcaster, and I am a wannabe Rolf. I'm very bad at the piano, but I really want to be better. Um, I I commission uh, uh, programming for all kids under 18, um, and animation and live action. Um, We have uh, an RT junior preschool channel, which uh, we commission both uh, live action and uh, licensed animation for. And we're also interested in programs for uh, 7 to 11s and... Some for 12 to 18s. Uh, this isn't my first time here. I speak English, but I am struggling because I've just come back from two weeks in Italy. So I've spent two weeks really trying find hard to find words of Italian, and now I find I'm struggling to find the English. But um, it's uh, it, it's it is always a great conference to come to because. You go away refreshed, having listened to everybody else's thoughts, experiences, inspirations, what people are doing, and uh, it, it, it always just, I always go home refreshed with
0: new inspiration. Thank you, Pauline. Seanette.
4: Hello. Uh, my name is Ed Roberts. I'm content commissioner for S4C, and I commission children's programmes um, and young people's programmes, and also education and um, any kind of education offshoot. Um, I, uh, I, S4C is a Welsh language broadcaster. We're not international. We are actually uh, in the UK, but we do broadcast only in Welsh. And um, we have uh, the Q strand is um, um, our. Preschool strand for uh, under six, and we also have the <laughs> stunch strand which is for around seven to twelve or so. Um, and um, I probably have to say Miss Piggy just because she's such a star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was <is> my mother. <laughs> I'm glad you got this far before. Um, And CMC, I've been coming here for 10 years, I think, um, as a freelancer, and now in my job, I've been at SFLC for four years. I was at the BBC for, well, I started off in 1990. Um, But CMC has always been a fantastic place to be just because it's about the content, it's about what kids are doing, not just on screens, but in books, in games. Everything new I have learned or known about has come from this conference because kids are always doing things first.
0: Thank you very much. And then, um, last but not least, Deirdre.
5: Right. So I can't be Miss Piggy. Damn it. So I'm going to be Animal because Animal's <laughs> loud. And most Australians are loud. Is there Tim in the room? Um, I have, as some of you may know, recently moved from ABC in Australia to Chorus in Canada. Which is an amazing opportunity because they have 10 channel brands. It's an extraordinary portfolio. So I, I'm very lucky enough to manage both the programming and production for that portfolio. But it, I'm, I'm relatively new, so uh, I've got some Canadian friends in the audience who will tell me if I get wrong. Thank you.
0: Thank you all. Uh, so I'm sure you will all agree that we've, um, for the season's final of our Muppet Show, we've brought the five best contestants of the whole season together in one session. So let's hear it for our our contestants tonight. Um, Linda, uh, since you are Beaker, um, as far as I remember, Beaker only goes like beep, 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 or something, no? He doesn't really speak, does he? Yeah. But maybe you can sing us a song at the end of the session. But before you do so, why did you decide to come to cmc and and what do you like here or what are your impressions so far is it the first time you come have you been here before tell I us came, everything
2: i came last year and uh uh last year it was it was just it was curiosity this year i you know i i thought about it and i um you know i i found myself uh one year at kid screen sort of questioning why why was i there and you know just calling out for help. And it was Alex Wiseman who said, if you, a wise man said to me, um, (laughs) uh, she came up to me and she said, you know, if if you really want to go to a a good conference, you should go to the CMC because they, they really do cover the issues, they really do, uh, talk about things in a, a very smart way, and I thought that sounded good. And so I came last year and I decided, yes, uh, that, that's, you know, th- there is sort of a, a sense of wanting to understand what's going on, not just to promote shows, but to think about the issues, to understand uh, what are the trends, what are the important things to think about, what are the concerns and to sort of get a number of ideas out on the table and then go home and think about them so i, I found this sort of a, a an interesting chance to sort of um it's sort of like the grad school version of uh, you know if if kids screen is elementary school this is sort of the grad school version of thinking about the the issues so um that's that's really what what i've been getting out of this uh if not for the jet lag i, I probably would be making a lot of progress but, uh, <laughs> i uh I, I feel like um, you know Greg does a great job of, of asking a lot of good questions, and you all do a good job of you know making us answer them, and 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 yeah. so that's why I'm here.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Deirdre. What about you?
5: Um, I particularly wanted to come to CMC this year. I think uh, moving to Canada with some fresh eyes and perspectives. Uh, there seems to be a lot of focus on U.S. partnerships, uh, but for me to sort of dial up that creative distinctiveness that I think we really need to do to get back where we need to be, uh, it's partnerships with UK and Europe that are where we're going to find that. So it's been great to sort of be inspired by new ideas and creative partners, but also to, to get a better insight into some of the, the partnerships out of UK and Europe that we can pursue. So the conversations are started and a little bit of inspiration to take home is a really good thing.
0: Thank you. Seanet, help us out here.
4: Um, about CMC.
0: CMC. What's your relationship with CMC? Um, what do you like about CMC? Well, what do you hate about CMC? <laughs> Share it with us. <laughs> uh.
4: um, I think it's just, it's just the, the quality of the sessions. I think is very, very good. Um, the, I know they're very well produced. I've been a producer here, and um, I, I've been working with with Greg and uh, a lot of the others on the advisory board, uh, and a lot of. Um, a lot of work goes into the preparation and finding the right people, and just getting the right mix and the right theme. Because this year's theme is diversity and uh, in all its forms, um, and it's just really interesting to be somewhere where we can just, you know, take time to. Have lots of different sessions that look at a huge number of different things. Mm. Um, and the, a, a recent development is the, um, the market element that's coming in. Um, so and that also helps get, get people from all over the world to come here.
0: Yeah. So
4: I yeah. guess uh, I'm a big fan.
0: Well, it's, it's definitely true. I've spoken to a lot of people over the past days, and everybody seems to agree that the quality of the sessions here is quite high, starting with this one, of course. Um, and and uh, also comparisons were made with uh, with kids' screen, and and uh, people seem to uh, have a common understanding that uh, that uh, a lot of valuable information is is uh, provided and shared here by people on the panel, so just in conversations down the hall. So, yes, keep coming, everybody. Huh? Right. Most of the um, um, I don't know if most of you here are actually uh, in creatives jobs, in creative jobs making content, and then obviously, well, probably some of you are, some of you aren't. But those of you who are are probably interested in hearing from this from these people. Uh, A, if they want to buy your show, uh, we'll come to that later. Uh, uh, but B, also what um, what they are looking for, what what uh, the main. Um, focus on their respective uh, networks is, so why don't we just ask them? Huh? Julien, what, uh, what trends do you see in content specifically for your network?
1: Um, thank you, Kermit, for that question. <laughs> <laughs> The trend that we see, and France is quite specific because we only do animation in kids' content. We have a very strong CODA system, which gives a lot of power to our animation industry. So we are really focusing on animation on every channel, on France Television, but also on every um, competitor channel. TF1 and M6 are are doing the same. Uh, And in animation, what is happening is that uh, preschool is is stronger than ever. Uh, We get big, big ratings on preschool shows, and I believe it's because kids are leaving animation earlier than ever, mm-hmm. because you've got so many content available anytime. They can go to, to family content uh, on, their, on their own tablets when they want, mm-hmm. and they do that. They can start watching Netflix series at 10, 10 years old, and they do that. Yeah. So I have the feeling in animation, our industry is skewing Young, younger than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have big shows like Pijama Mask, um like A, A Doji by our friends of BBC Worldwide, who are, which are doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we will be happy to continue to, to search for good preschool content here in the UK, and the UK is one of the countries we, we prefer to work with in terms of preschool content. Mm-hmm
0: are you now talking with your head as a vod person or in general for the channel
1: in general for the channel the channel uh, children and youth unit is now edited by tiffen de raconel uh, who is managing um, the department and we have a team of uh, fif- 15 persons who you can find on the markets uh, so for international content claire Heinrich and alexandre enna are in charge of looking for content they they acquire something like 20 to 30 shows a year, uh, in preschool, kids, mainly animation, but not only because we have got more and more available blocks on, on France 4. Yeah. So those are the, the good person to, to contact. In, on, in the on-demand uh, universe, what I love is uh, we, we didn't make any toddler uh, preschool shows because in France we were not authorized to do that. We can do preschool content starting at four, uh, but on YouTube and uh, on VOD. Uh, we are authorized to go younger, and uh, this is what works. So we've got very, very powerful YouTube channels. Um, little Brown Bear one, uh, Charlie one. They, they rank uh, very well, and we make things like 10, 12 million views a month with those very young preschool properties. Wow. Um, so we love them, and, and we love it when it's non-verbal also because it, it travels so well. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's a, it's a way to start to work internationally. Yeah.
0: Okay, very interesting, uh, Pauline. How is that working on RTE? What's your content focus for the moment?
3: Um, so, um, a lot of our focus at the moment is on preschool because we're trying to to uh, to um, grow the RTE Junior channel. It's only three years old. So, in terms of of what we 're looking for I mean really what we 're focused on is looking for ways to tell irish children 's stories. Our audience have access to all of the u k channels a lot of the other channels 30 or 40 children's channels. So what we're really trying to do is to try uh, or to tell Irish children's stories. Um, we are looking for. Uh, I mean, we we obviously have a huge and fabulous animation sector at home, who bring us fabulous programmes which have you know an Irish slant. But we're also open to giving Irish companies an opportunity to jump on board as co-producers on international IP projects. Um, In terms of you were asking about trends there, one of the trends that's kind of emerging just through audience research um, on our junior channel. Is that kids are looking for longer format uh, content, which is kind of a surprise to us because we kind of had been going towards short format or keeping like, sticking with short form and and going shorter. And you know, we'd been commissioning kind of two-minute um, series, you know, one one-minute um, episodes, etc. But what's kind of coming through is the fact that they are actually looking for longer formats. So what we're looking at at the moment is um, through our in-house production, looking at magazine format for preschool. Um, um kind of stretching programs out to maybe half hour duration and um <coughs> um block uh, scheduling programming so maybe giving two or three episodes of the 10 or 15 minute uh, programs uh, to try and address that and we're kind of will will look to do that in the autumn um drama co-production is also so, something that you know in terms of this group here um you know we we Watch and weep at pro, we come away really inspired from program our sessions like CMC. But we look at what channels who have much more resource and finance at their fingertips are doing, um, and then we go home and try and find ways to do that much more cost effectively. Um, but one kind of area that kids are always looking for, and that we can't really do. Um, very, very what we can 't do extensively at home is drama, so co production and drama is something that we are open to. We are kind of developing a couple of co pros with, um, with uh, Australian and Canadian companies, and uh, we are always open to, up to to that particularly for seven to elevens but also for uh, the younger audiences.
0: Thank you very much Shaed on uh on S4, so first of all, as a Belgian, I have to congratulate you for beating our ass at the football. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I almost forgot a, that. It, yeah. it has
4: been absolutely amazing. It really has. It really is just overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, specifically for S4C, uh, what are the things that are Going really well, or that you are doing really well as a channel for the moment, or as a network for the moment, and what are the things where you say there are areas where we could improve, or where we could use more content?
4: Yeah. Well, very similar to Pauline, really. Um, we have the same kind of concerns um, for Kew. Uh, Kew is uh, our preschool brand, and it's like a national treasure. I mean, people just love it. Kids love it. Parents love it. It's very, very popular, um, and um, is on, on air for eight hours a day. I mean, that's a repeat pattern. But um, So I'm, I'm often looking for content for Q. It's a mix of acquisitions um, and live action. Um, again, like RTE, we're very, very keen to have a lot of live action, a lot of indigenous um, projects on, on screen. Around 75% of my funding goes for original um, programmes, um, you know, live action for Kew, and around 25% goes on um, acquisitions or, or um, co productions. And then for the older age group, the, um, the ratio is higher again, so around 90% of the funding goes on original programming. So, that for us is a really, really important part of it that we show Welsh children. Kids like them or kids not like them, um, and just have a, have a window on the world, and just to you know just to show them the lives and lives maybe that that reflect their own. So, um, you know, like it's interesting you're saying about in, in France. You know, um, I've noticed this on French TV when when you know when you go on holiday and so on. Um, it, it would be because of money, you know, we could be having a lot more animation. It would be a lot cheaper, but you sort of then miss out on the indigenous content. Um, so, uh, as far as things go at the moment, we're trying to trying to keep the, that ratio as it is. Um, in terms of the type of content, um, on Kiwi in the last year or so and, and coming up, I've, I've been focusing on two things. Uh, one is documentary, so we have had um, four the preschool documentary shows, which have done really, really well, um, and comedy. So I've been focusing on that um, for the older age group, where um, you know it's, it's as much comedy as you can get, or as much as you can afford. Um, and then with a lot of um, a couple of live shows, and um, you know we've got daily news program. You know it's a whole mixed bag really. Anything, you know, just to have a lot of different genres on. On the screen, and the digital side is really important for us as well. And I've forgotten the question now. <laughs> um, but um, trends you were asking about, wasn't it? I mean, the, the main trend for us, I suppose, would be how kids are viewing. So, um, uh, S4C is a public service broadcaster. We're also on BBC iPlayer, and we have our own on demand ser- uh, service as well. Now, on BBC iPlayer, 78% of all Welsh views. Uh, is for kids' content, which is phenomenal. So, programmes like um, we've co produced Bing, for example, and Bodge, and those uh, big animated animated shows, and they are just, you know, thousands and thousands of, of views. Now, whether those are Welsh language children watching the Welsh version, or whether they just like, you know, Bing in any language at all, um, and that's really interesting for us, and that's where they're going.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Deirdre, before answering the question, if you still remember what the question was, <laughs> about trends on your channel and what you're doing well and whatnot, um, maybe you can explain us uh, what channel scores actually
5: have. have do. So yeah. Let's get some information on the table. So. Um, uh, I might just mention too that at the moment uh, Chorus is in the process of transition of bringing two companies together. So Shaw and Chorus have come together. It will end up as an amazing media company with a conventional free-to-wear channel, 45 specialty channels, kids publishing. It's an, an incredible uh, you know, uh, bringing together of these two organisations. But So there's still a lot that's being worked out. So I'll just flag it with that. So a lot of what I'm telling you today is sort of my first impressions. But one thing we have decided quite quickly is to make sure that all the original production comes through the three flagship channels. So very quickly they're Treehouse, which we're expanding the target audience up to six years of age, so Treehouse is our number one preschool uh, and number one two to eleven years channel in Canada. It's incredibly successful, so I'm not allowed to ruin it. Um, So that will be for preschool, up to six. Teletooned, which is obviously an animated channel but servicing five to nine-year-olds. We are actually making sure that we have that upper end as well. Uh, It's incredibly successful. Um, And then YTV, which is really our our grand flagship local channel, uh, which is a mixture of animation and live action. I'm saying that that's now six to 12 years, plus family. It has a huge opportunity for us, and I do think the UK-Europe potential Mm -hmm around uh, partnering on live action and family content post 7 p.m. on that channel. Uh, The reason why we've decided to uh, put our original production into those three is because they have the broadest distribution. It's a great way of building audiences. We can actually utilize that content across the portfolio, but we feel that it really needs to have the spotlight put on those first-run hours when they launch in Canada, so it's a really good thing. Um, Trends is interesting because I'm, I'm new to the territory, so I'm not so much talking about the trends that I see there, because you're seeing, you know, the, the gradual decline of uh, linear audiences. It's the same as everywhere. Uh, a shift of prime time uh, kids audiences to some unusual content, mostly factual based. But we think uh, that we'd like to set the trends working with partners in the future. So, very quickly, three areas: live action, soft serialisation. Uh, I think everybody, including myself at ABC, we leapt to these grand epic serial sagas. Now we need to come back from that a little little bit. Uh, Sophisticated storytelling. I still think that we're not providing uh, the level of intrigue and excitement in complex storytelling in television. We've kind of pushed that over to movies and books. We need to bring that back, particularly in live action. Uh, Real family relationships. Uh, There's a trend that stopped. I don't know why Australians still know the Waltons and say goodnight John Boy at the bottom of the earth. It's like, you know, party of five, uh, eight is enough. There used to be some extraordinary family relationships. And all the research that's telling us and has been for the last year, the generation gap has disappeared and kids want to learn life lessons from what we make and provide to them. So they're learning life lessons from the bachelorette. Now that concerns me. I'd much rather have... And, well, that's terrible, like what a lesson for young girls, really. Um, and The Bachelors works both ways, but well, I think we need to start building family relationships and real life situations into some of the live action that we're doing. I think it will go gangbusters. Let's put it in prime time. You know, modern Family is doing a wonderful job of doing that in the comedy space, but I'm not seeing anything in, in the dra- drama area, so I think I do think, particularly, a UK partner and Canada partner can nail that um, and take risks with comedy. I, don't, I, I won't go on for too long, I promise. Um, I don't know if you've seen Little Lunch that I can take no credit for at the ABC. It's been picked up in Canada, which is great. I hope it gets a partner in the UK. It's made in a mock doc style, which I know has been done in adults a lot, but it's just charming. It effectively tells stories through straight-to-camera dialogue. Uh, about what happens at, at recess, play lunch, whatever you call it, around the world. It's just charming, made by adult comedy producers, the producers of upper-middle bogan, just love saying that, um, yeah. upper-middle bogan, uh, and, and we need to take some risks. So if Canada and the UK and Europe can't take risks, I don't think anybody can in that format. Um, Old-school preschool, there's so much sophisticated, beautiful animation. You know, When I see something with charm, like, hey, Dougie, You just love it, because you think, yay! Um, You know, there's a very simple, wonderful character-based charm about that (laughs) series. But in Canada, I think we need a play school, uh, we need human beings on screen doing something that's just for Canada. It could travel as a format, but I think in that preschool area, that's my priority, and it will be a local-based initiative. Um, and animation with more heart is my my new trend. Um, we say it a lot, but what does it mean? And I had the great privilege of talking to Craig Bartlett, the creator of Hey Arnold, uh, recently, and he talked a lot about why he felt that was such an important show. It's my favourite animated show. And he talked about the incorporation of sadness. He said, hey, Arnold wouldn't have that emotional connection with 50-year-olds the way it does if it hadn't had that light and shade. So Arnold wasn't always happy. He didn't resolve everything in his life in an 11-minute story with a buddy comedy. Hey! It's so much animation, I think. We've, we've got into this sort of rut, creative rut, where it, it's the same. Feels a bit like wallpaper to me. So. Where are those sort of dramas that are animated or sort of very much a, a live action approach to animation? I'd love to see a bit more long-form storytelling in animation that goes beyond 11 minutes. So they're the trends I want to start. If anybody wants to join me, get on the bus. <laughs> there you go. Is that it? I did it. I did it. Done. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Deirdre. Linda, what's, what's working really well for PBS and where... Are you still uh, looking for alternatives or new ideas?
2: Well, we've we've taken on the we we never left long form, so we've we've been sticking pretty much with half-hour shows that are usually two elevens. Sometimes they're full half-hour, and uh, we we looked really old-fashioned for a while while everyone was going towards short form. But the good thing for us was that. That you know, 11 minutes allow you to uh, to do some character development, and we're really we're really trying to sort of find that sweet spot when you combine narrative curriculum and humor. And I, I think what's what's made us different from a lot of people is that we do have to have curriculum. And uh, I've, I've never seen that as a, a bad thing. I've always seen it as a, a fun thing because uh, you know one thing I, I do know about kids is they like to learn. Our audience is between the ages of two and eight, and it's it's really around nine that they start thinking that they've had enough school. Uh, so it, it's you know at, at eight they're still excited to learn. And so it, it's given us a, a good excuse to have a curriculum. One of the interesting trends I've noticed is that, People have been walking in and pitching shows and the curriculum is play. And I always think, well, if there's one thing we don't need to teach kids, it's how to play. We need to give them the time to go play. But we really don't need. They could teach us how to play. So, uh, so I feel like that's kind of a funny curriculum to go in with. So I haven't been, I haven't been going after things with the, the play curriculum. But I, I feel like showing kids playing is is a good thing. So uh, so we have been making sure that uh, that's in our shows. Um, we, uh, we've had a lot of, of luck with, uh, with shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is a, a very popular show. Uh, I, I'm convinced that, that kids are, are just looking for an explanation of how the world works. And uh, Daniel Tiger basically is that it's a show about how the world works, but not about the scientific thing. It's it's really the emotional aspect of how the world works. And you know, if you're if you're mean to someone, they won't be happy. Uh, If you're you know, if they're mean to you, you're going to want to figure out why. So it's basically stories about those little moments in life that you'd like to understand more about. So so those kinds of shows have worked. We've also had. a lot of uh, luck with uh, what we would call STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, we've done a lot of STEM shows recently, um, not because we're fulfilling any particular mandate, but they, they actually work pretty well as, for stories. Um, we, uh, we're also, you know, we're trying to capture more diversity in our shows. We uh, we're trying to make sure all American kids see themselves somewhere on our air. So uh, the American population is very diverse, and uh, you know it, it, the, the kids between the ages of, of zero and ten are way more diverse than adults between the ages of you know 40 plus, say. So you know it, it's it's been an interesting experience trying to capture that, trying to find the creators with uh, different backgrounds, and. Um, Another thing that we're trying to do uh, is, is talk more to the the audience, uh, the part of the audience that is not the uh, the wealthy white audience. We're trying to talk more to kids in need and uh, families in need. And uh, and what we found is that you know if we try to tell those kids that all prob- problems can be solved by magic and wishing. It's not good so uh, so we're really trying to empower kids with sort of a you know again how the world works, real approaches to actual problems but in a humorous way and we're trying to depict more um, you know sort of more optimism more enthusiasm uh, the idea that you can be passionate about Anything, whatever it is you're interested in, that's good, and uh, role model how to talk about it, how to capture that that kind of enthusiasm about just things in, in general, and so capturing all that has also been good for us. So that's uh, something that that seems to work on our air. And then finally, as far as curriculum goes, you know, we've we've tried to. Keep people from walking in saying, "Okay, this is a show about uh, math," or you know, just to, to combine curriculum areas in different ways. And so now we, we've got a few shows that we're working on that are focused on community or community and creativity, or, or just like unexpected curriculum areas that that uh, turn out uh, to go well together. So we've been experimenting in what we can do to make, make curriculum fun, for the uh, not just for the viewers, but for the, the adults uh, working on it. And we do spend a lot of time thinking about the viewers and what they need, which is good, because if you're you know, mostly trying to make the, uh, the toy companies happy, it can be kind of a drag. But if you're just thinking about what, are the, what do the kid viewers need and you know, how, can you, how can you do things for them, it, it gives you more of a purpose. So, uh, so that's what we've been thinking about lately. Very clear. Thank
0: you, Linda. Can so, good question. Yes, right? of course.
5: Um, do you get presented a lot of programs that are sort of heavily anchored or centred in commercial programs? Does that come in to your? Are people aware that that's not going to be something that PBS really?
2: Too much. Uh, You know, the the bigger problem is people come in and they pitch the curriculum very enthusiastically, and they pitch it for 25 minutes, and then they spend three minutes on the characters. And it's like, I've I've never done a show where people fell in love with the curriculum. So, (laughs) you know, let's focus on character. Sell me on great characters, Mm -hmm. and integrate the, you know, the story and the characters, the curriculum, and the humor. You know, all at once. Don't don't, you know, have a curriculum and throw some characters in at the end. And, and people are, you know, they have trouble understanding that, but they, you know, the, some of them, the, the real show makers get that. And, and so I, really more than anything, if people pitch the characters first, I feel like, okay, this could work. And if they pitch the curriculum for a long time, I'm sleeping by the time they get to the characters. So, so you know, it's, people just, you know, they want to show you that they really get that you're not, you know, Commercial that you, your curriculum, and then they blow it by. Oh, the other way yeah, so you know it's still great character. What what you know? I have to then take the show and pitch it to all the people I work with, and they're just regular people. You know, they're they're uh, you know if you get them excited about characters, they get excited about those characters, and that's the show. So um, so no, I think people get that that we're different. Uh, you know they they think we're way different, and we're really not that much more different than everyone else it's it's but you know I could see if you're pitching where that would be confusing so um
3: I think in all of uh, um, in all of the the factual programs that we do for preschoolers, the underlying thing is always going to be education. It's always going to be informational. There's always we do um, like wildlife documentaries we spoke about yesterday. We're doing you know kind of science programs for preschoolers, but it has to be presented in 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 an entertainment package if you're going to engage them. And I don't think that you know while we're always kind of careful to say look we don't have an educational remit, which we don't. At the same time, we're very cognizant of the fact that it is all learning when, it's, when you're talking about preschoolers, um, but the overriding thing has to be kind of entertainment and engagement and trying to find ways to, uh, to make that fun for kids. Right. Yes.
4: So it's a challenge. Same, same for us, yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, thanks, Linda, for letting our audience know how to keep you awake during a pitch. Yeah. That's very good. <laughs> Uh, I've tried to make some notes with all the things you said. So the perfect show to sell to all of these people um, would be an optimistic, preferably hybrid, uh, animation live-action mix preschool documentary. Long format, of course, with strong uh, storytelling and, of course, curriculum. So anybody who has a show like that, please present it to these people. Uh, Before we go on, and talk about digital versus linear. Um, first, uh, we're going to show on the big screen some footage about uh, our panel yesterday at 3 o'clock in the morning at the karaoke show. <laughs> you wish, right? Yeah. <laughs> OK, digital versus linear. Julia, I'm looking at you, because you're Mr. Digital now. That was, so, that, that was now, so right? what you've done. <laughs> you've got it. <laughs> uh, uh, digital yes. versus linear. Um, how, how does uh, France Television handle this? How do you uh, deal with the different, mm-hmm. yeah, the different? Uh, we've already heard from you that it offers opportunities, mm-hmm. things you cannot do on the channel, you can do in the digital
1: space. Um, so how, how do you deal we, with this we, as a channel? We don't see the, the versus. Okay. Uh, for us, it's really uh, the perfect combo today. So, and uh, in the kids' business, it's, it's been a reality for years, in fact. Uh, Catch-up numbers are big f- for years. Uh, kids are used to do it. They are the first adopters of new, new technologies, so it's already existing. It's not the future of TV. Yeah. It's yeah. already what is television for kids today. So we see ourselves as proposing an ecosystem of videos, uh, public service kind of videos, yeah. uh, but available uh, everywhere. And um, we make sure kids can find content, can play with it, can share it. Um, And it's, as I said yesterday, a a world of new opportunities. And I I think we are at the very beginning of it. And that the more the creative people who are doing the shows get aware of the new technological possibilities, um, the most modern uh, transmedia proposals we will get, and the better we will be in the future. Okay, so we are waiting for new proposals of very digital transmedia oriented series uh, without limits of formats yeah. uh, of duration uh, and of theme in fact, and yeah. everything is now possible because we are not stuck in that old programming grid that was uh, good in the fifties and that is not so good today
0: yeah and from what you said earlier, I understand that uh, the content that you show in the digital space is not necessarily the same content as the one you show on TV? Or is there a 90% overlap?
1: We've shown that it's possible to make a big success on YouTube and to make a big success also on air and to sell the content. And it's all about uh, finding uh, good windows uh, for your content. The most you, you, you are able to show it, the most generous you are with your content, the better it, it is for the property, because we are in an hyper-fragmented universe mm-hmm. where kids get ton of possibilities, and so you want your show to exist. And back 20 years ago, it was so different, and the programming people in the channel were at a much more conservative position, and they were m- much more in the idea of, just taking the show and just showing it one or two times. Now mm. we are really in that hyper-exposure uh, dimension, mm. and it's, uh, it's very good for for building new brands. Okay, interesting. Jeanette, for for your
0: channel, for S4C, it's also really, really important. And the numbers that you told us yeah. earlier were quite impressive. So how how do you handle digital versus linear?
4: Well. Um, in the past four years, I'm really excited about digital content and you know and what uh, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but you know what I mean. Anything you can you can add to a project to to get kids involved and to get them interested. So over the last four years, since I've been there, I mean we've done all kinds of things. You know um, we've had um, second screen, play along, apps, all kinds of things, and some of them have worked really well, and some of them have just been a little bit. Um, should we say, of a luxury in a way. Um, the ones that have worked really, really well have been the apps that fit in with our brand. So, for example, the Q app is really pop- popular, but also the Q um, counting app and the letters app, so with a kind of education or learning um, Side to it, Um, but they've done really, really well. And the things that are more difficult are standalone projects. Um, We had a project about two years ago called Matron, which started off as an animation on the screen, a 10-minute animation. Uh, It was a story, and then the next four episodes were online as apps, and the apps were in a comic format uh, with games as well. I mean, I played it here last last year, but. um, that's an example of something that was really cutting edge, really different. You know, you get a lot of attention, for example, in the media papers for doing things like that. But in reality, what went on TV had good viewing figures, but the app wasn't really downloaded a huge, you know, we're not talking about really big numbers. I can't remember the numbers, actually. But um, So I think it's not exactly that I'm... I don't want to change that, but I think that we're moving more now towards trying to do other things, like, for example, short form. We're finding a huge amount of success with just putting clips, songs, um, jokes, you know, just putting stuff out there on different platforms, You know, using parents and Facebook and, and all kinds of things. And, of course, we're, we have a Q channel on, on the YouTube um, Kids app. So you're sort of, rather than maybe trying to do... Um, specific digital projects just, just for trying to be at, at the cutting edge and maybe not doing them as well as you could, um, partly because of money, maybe because of time whatever. whatever. Um, so I'm sort of shifting now to be doing more things like um, short form and just making sure that that content is out there. And that's really, really popular and does very well. So um, um, and another thing we're doing as well is we're very interested in working, for example, with people like Minecraft. Um, in Wales, around thirty percent of the children speak Welsh, and they all speak English so obviously um, anything that 's on you know on any other channel, they can watch that as well um, so what 's interesting about the digital space is that kids will quite often use Facebook or any kind of um, uh, uh, social media type thing, if, they, you know, if they're within the right age group and so on. But they write in English. So they can, they can be getting in touch with their friends and, and, and messaging them in English. And it's as if digital is English, um, even when they're Welsh speakers and their friends are Welsh speakers. So this is something we're sort of thinking about how we can try and influence. Uh, And one thing that we've been doing is we've been working with um, various uh, companies and with the Eisteddfod and doing events where kids can come along and do their own Minecraft walkthroughs in Welsh. And then we'll put those Minecraft walkthroughs in Welsh up on our our YouTube. So, um, you know, we have these other concerns because we're a a minority language. Um, Another interesting concern as well would be... If we're moving to Siri and all of this kind of, you know, voice activation thing, it only works in English. Well, I mean, probably other major languages as well. So we're now talking to universities to see, you know, what can we do to make sure that that works in Welsh? Because what we don't want is to have a whole new generation in Wales who think that anything digital and new is English. You know, so um, that's something we're really, really um, trying to do quite a lot, lot with, and it's very interesting. Um, Very interesting area. I mean, I've got two kids. They speak Welsh, obviously, it's the first language, but they are always on Facebook in English. You know, I just cannot get—I just can't get them to change it. And the same with Instagram and so on. So it's very, very interesting. Um, For older, uh, slightly older groups, the teens. um, At a really big event recently, the Irde Stethwod, we had four—we had five platforms for the first time, and we were broadcasting on Periscope. um, So it was uh, Twitter. Facebook, Snapchat, Periscope and Instagram, and because the, the kids in the Esteddfod are up to 25, and this just absolutely took over, they were they were on the field, there was Wi-Fi on the field, it's a, it's a festival, you know, and um, it was just it was fantastic, you know, and there's all this stuff on Periscope and all things happening behind the scenes, and so we really need to get out there on these platforms and make sure that the kids can somehow be, you know, share content in Welsh um, as as well. You know, on different platforms. And That's all all very interesting for us. So, that's the slight shift I would say that's been in the last few years. Yeah.
0: Okay, How, how's PBS uh, handling that, Linda? Is 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 digital equally important as linear, or is linear still more important, or what's the priority there?
2: Digital has always been important at PBS and that was one of the, the things that I, I really appreciated when I when I got to PBS because in positions that I was in before that, digital was always presented as being ancillary, like it was a marketing tool. And when I got to PBS, what I what I really appreciated was that um the, there was this sense that that kids learned in different ways, and kids consumed media in different ways and so you know you could you could look at at you know sometimes the the web was a better way for for certain kids to consume media because in the games were more interactive uh, you know it was more personalized and so we we always had this sense that that you know these things were equals and uh, and that they worked best when the uh, people behind them all worked together closely. So we started having people at that point, when they pitched a show, they had to pitch some ideas for their website as well. And at PBS, every show has its own web space and frequently they have their own apps. And there there are PBS apps now that, that sort of mirror the experience that was on the web because more more kids now are using apps than than you know sitting at computers so uh you know so we're just sort of shifting along with that but what we found was that if you know if we all worked together to develop the show and the site and you know any digital uh things all if we did it all together and we made sure that the curriculum it was sort of built in all the different areas. You know, like the the games would build on what you'd learn from the show, and 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 things like that. And uh, and then and then we we started sort of you know getting into the whole transmedia approach. We we sort of worked that into so everything had to. Match up across platforms, and and you know again more more building and and more thinking about the way different kids learn in different ways, and it it all came together really nicely. And I uh, you know I, I think of the person who heads up digital really as you know sort of my my uh, you know sort of my my duo partner at work. You know we do everything together. Um, and we talk about things together. She and her department weigh in on the creative. We weigh in on what they're doing, and so it's it's really more of a, a of a team process. And honestly, it, it only works because we all get along. There's no sort of power thing going on. Um, I, uh, I I I think that it, it's it's been a, a little bit of a um, well, it's in some ways kind of a dream because it it's it works so well. My experiences up till that point had been. Really, that you just battled for turf, and you know you tried to kill the other people, and and so so it's everybody's been so reasonable at PBS, and I've been there a long time right now, so I, I it's not even like I'm still sort of in awe of it. Really, more that it's just worked. It's worked because everyone's tried to make it work. So I've I've never you know taking the attitude that you know programming is the most important piece of this you know if anyone says that it's someone from another department saying that it wouldn't be us in programming and uh you know we try not to even believe that you know we try to really believe that it's all equal and the end result is just a really positive media experience across platforms for our viewers and so so uh you know we've 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 taken that that attitude. And I I live in fear that someday my my colleague in digital will leave and someone else will come in and say to me, I'm going to crush you. And it'll all be over at that point. But for now, you know, we're just working as a team and it's, it's, it's really good. But that's really the only way you can do it and make it work is to believe that you're all equals and that everybody's doing the same thing. The biggest shift for us really has been, not making people come in with ideas for the website right when they come in to pitch the show. We've, we've, mm. we've modified it. So now we let them develop the show and get the show to a, a really good point, but we keep the digital people involved in the development process the whole time. And that way, when it's time to do the digital, they can base it on certain episodes even in sort of the, the nascent phases of it, they, they can really be thinking about mm. where it's going and be involved in, in that aspect of, of taking what they've learned from development into the, the digital stages. So, um, so that's actually worked better for us than making everyone come in and okay. pitch everything at the same time.
0: OK. Uh, Pauline, any bloodshed between digital and linear at RTE? No,
2: no, we're all great
3: friends. Actually, we're all under the, uh, the guidance of Sheila, who runs the cross-divisional head, so we can't actually have faction fights at all. But um, one of the things that, that we're kind of finding is, is that we're um, probably becoming a little bit more less precious about premiering on television. So, I mean, the fact that um, the audience. Really is finding stuff on the digital platforms, and often finding it first on the digital platforms, and wanting to consume it in kind of in bulk. We're kind of, uh, as I say, getting a little bit less precious about the TV premiere, and kind of have, you know, on one of our projects. This year, uh, Zig and Zag, we actually bundled five episodes on day one of transmission. We made five episodes available on the player and kind of promoted it as such as a kind of a a treat with another um, short form series for 7 to 11s that we are um, starting in the new year. for a number of reasons, we are actually going to kind of give kids the first 10 episodes as a Christmas present, like so over the holiday period they can have it first on digital. So we're getting a little bit less precious about that, and that I think is a good thing because, I mean, essentially we're really trying to because we have like this RT Junior has a radio station, um, um, you know, we have the website, we have the uh, RT Junior app, which is probably doing even better. Like our television channel. In May was up 28% on um, on January to May in 2015. So that's kind of really good news for us. But the RT Junior app had, I think it was over a million page impressions for the month of of May. So in a in a population of about four million, that's kind of significant. And you know, so. So uh, that's one thing. I mean, through, um, we're also really conscious that, you know, we really need to target the parents. And we're looking at strategies and ways to use kind of Facebook and other social media platforms to try and bring parents to our content and bring it to them. Um, but also through, you know, I mean, th- the. Uh, in our seven to elevens, our flagship uh, show is Swipe TV. But Swipe TV was developed by the producers. As um, you know, it is uh, they developed an, an app, the Swipe TV app, which uh, houses all the short form content that they create and that they, we commissioned for that app. And it informs and affects. How the television programme every week—it's three times a week, half-hour programme—but it actually how kids are responding and reacting to the content that goes up on the on the app and becomes available to the app, and how they're because it's it's two-way; they feed back to it. It informs how the producers shape the actual television um, iteration of it. So, um, you know, we're kind of consciously constantly trying to just just keep um, yeah, just keep keep on the digital yeah. thing. It's our friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it seems very clear to me that digital is no longer the, the little brother that you just have to drag along. How's that going at Chorus? And,
5: and Chorus is interesting because it's, it, they've had an explosion of activity. But um, from my ABC experience, which was very digitally focused, I might just use a few insights from that, um, uh, there needs to be a more coordinated approach to putting the audience at the centre. So a lot of activity but not really thinking about how people use it and and the abc are very lucky and we follow in the footsteps of pbs and bbc very much um, but there's no pressure of monetization so it makes it a lot easier to experiment and uh, Um, And ABC is, it's the number one priority, is becoming a digitally relevant broadcaster and producer. It's moving, as you may have seen from some of the restructures recently, into a platform agnostic model. Uh, And kids, the ABC children's team is definitely leading the way in that. So the two areas, that the learnings, I hate learnings, I can't believe I used that word. that we've really had over the last 12 months, many people in this room have helped us streamline the rights model to be able to do all this too, is in distribution. So the key opportunity was VOD distribution for both preschool, which was all about convenience, but with older kids, it was all about discoverability. So in both those demographics, we've seen the circular relationship between how the content is distributed across platforms. So we see a direct result of kids coming back to the linear channel because of what we're doing, in the VOD space, and you know, it's just a given now. You, I, one day we'll stop talking about multi-platform distribution because it's, it's just what we do. Um, as long as the right structures of what we produce together keep up. I find that, that you know, the things... That I said, I'd like to do this, you can't. Oh, um, That still happens, but the more interesting area is the impact on content. So how these platforms and and what we're doing is shaping the content that we're producing. So for ABC, um, we were doing original scripted commissions for iPlayer. Oh, iPlayer, iView, that was a dream. I know, and that's just a given. It's built into content plans now for every genre at ABC that this original commissioning strategy for iview is really important. Um, for the older kids' channel, it's really interesting. We turned a hosting program, Studio 3, into a short-form content unit because we looked at what kids were using on YouTube. It wasn't just the fact that they were watching YouTube. We know that. What were they? What did they want from YouTube that we weren't giving them? There was a lot about information and you know, lessons about... Uh, how-to videos particularly, and we thought we can get into that and we can do it with a public broadcaster approach. So that short-form content unit that's being formed now will actually produce content streams that can obviously be used anywhere, that's a given, but actually be reflecting the type of editorial but better that kids are looking at on YouTube. And the other thing that they're desperately trying to work out, which is a tough one, when does social media stop being just a promotional platform and it start also having an influence on the content we produce? So, it's not about having additional short form bonus content. It's like, yeah, okay, but what do we do with it? Where does the audience want it? And how are they going to use it? So, you know, I would love to get that sensibility and platform agnostic approach into the Canadian uh, system, but it's going to take a little while because we have monetization pressures.
1: From my perspective, really, nonlinear is full of opportunities, but it's also much more complex for everyone for us broadcasters, but also for producers and creators, because things are going so fast and are being disrupted every six months. If you take social medias, children are using new ones every six months. So once you start understanding it, it's already over, and they have moved to another one. So from my broadcaster, uh, Cascade ad. Mm, mm. Uh, I'm expecting the producers and creators not only to know very well the channel, and it's quite rare to be honest, that when you go and pitch to a channel, you really need to, to know the programming grid, the, the lineup, the shows that are working, uh, but you also need to know what kids in your country are up to. Uh, what social media they are using, Uh, how how much do they use YouTube, what are the the YouTubers uh, they, they like a lot. So it's making it more and more complex. And what I like about it is you can't resolve it by yourself. You need to partner. And uh, I think the future of our industry is all about that. It's all about Mm. partnering, finding the good people, the good talents that will help you to be more and more digital in the future and to be more and more strategic on on all those new fields in the future. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You spoke about knowing your market and knowing your country, now that Britain has decided to become an island once again. Um, May I ask you a question, all of you? Just give me a percentage on how much of your content that you acquire or commission is local content. Start with you, Deirdre. Uh,
5: We have enormous local content percentages on the channels currently, even up to 70% on Treehouse. So obviously what we've been making and what we've acquired, which is quite low in the international acquisitions area, um, will change in the year ahead. Uh, I I like that because I, I like to have a mix of content from countries. Uh, all over the world. but um, it, We're still working through what that means, but you would anticipate that our local content needs will reduce from September 2017.
4: Seanette? I would say that we probably, um, about 80% or so, is is uh, is local. And then with a, a lot of the acquisitions are also UK-based projects as well. So yes, a significant amount, yeah.
0: OK. Pauline?
4: Um, our local content
3: is down at around 32%, 33%. Um, so I suppose that th- that makes it really important for us to be telling Irish stories and reflecting Irish kids' worlds through our Commission content and the, the projects that we don't just acquire. So, yeah, it, uh, at the moment, it's unlikely that that's going to change. Um,
2: yeah, budgets aren't growing
0: at the yeah, moment. Okay. About you, Linda.
2: Because we have such a, a reliance on shows with with clear curricula, the, that's really impacted how we approach acquisitions. So at the moment, uh, virtually everything we have on our air was generated somewhere in the U.S., um, generally with us in mind. And you know, with curriculum, because if I tried to acquire curriculum-based shows, I wouldn't really find them—not not in the way that we need them. So we do generate everything through PBS. The um, the the interesting thing about that is that there's no show that's only funded in the U.S. The majority of our shows do have co-production partners. Uh, they do run in a lot of other countries, and uh, you know, they're, they're done. Really, with with to some degree an international market in mind, you know they're they're not made to necessarily be only American, but they they are all generated in the U.S. And uh, you know I know that, that in the past there have been a number of British shows that have run on PBS, but at this point uh, I think what we're doing and and what CBeebies are doing they're 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 fairly different. I, I think we only the only show. Shows that I can think of are that, that we have that run in the UK are on, um, CBBC, and I think it's Odd Squad and, and Arthur at this point, and I guess we all have Sesame Street, but uh, different versions of it. So yeah, it's it's uh, you know we
1: skew pretty American. sixty yeah. percent of what we do is French and European. And talking of the future, we also believe that the more we have to face the titans who are developing content in, uh, in the US, the more the public service, but not only, have to be local and European. So we believe in the future that could, that, could, that could extend and that should extend so that the French kids and the European kids have, a, uh, have the opportunity to see different uh, vision of the world and different ways to tell stories and not only what's done in the States. So it's yeah. our, our mandate for the future of development of the industry.
2: So that really underscores our, our biggest challenge, which is we all have to be making local programming, and to fund it, we all have to be doing co-productions. So what now? <laughs> How do we do
5: that? Let's
0: leave that for another session. <laughs> Interesting topic for next year. But it is
5: an opportunity, though, for us at a time where we're worried about all these doors closing internationally. It could end up being the children's industry that will celebrate openness internationally by making shows that travel and work locally. That's what I hope. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> We've been talking a lot about that this week. So yeah. you know, there's a sense of social responsibility to the future of children internationally, and it's going to happen here, I think. So. so
0: now, ladies and gentlemen, commissioners, the question everybody in the room is waiting for: Got no money. What are you looking for?
6: <laughs> I'm <joking.
0: laughs> What are you
1: looking for currently,
0: Julia? We start with you.
1: <laughs> We're looking for everything. <laughs> Preschool, kids. Um, we are acquiring mainly. Um, and we we are also looking for specials who are doing very well on the channels. So that's for it. And Pierre and Tiffany for the children and kids unit are also looking for a show around uh, women and girls. We have a, a big lack of that kind of show. So. You mean with female lead characters? Female lead characters, yeah. Yeah. And also something that comes from uh, an idea that we stole to the BBC, we are big fans of Roy and Little Roy, so we are developing a, a mixed media Um, new kind of content, so we're launching Seven Dwarfs and Me this uh, December, which is our first hybrid animation live-action series. Uh, And because we are, in a way, stuck in that animation quota, we are really happy to to develop and to propose to our uh, viewers that kind of new content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Linda, what's PBS looking for currently?
2: well we've we've just premiered a couple of science shows we've covered nature we've covered space we're now about to cover uh, marine biology with the uh, Jim Henson company show Splash and Bubbles and uh, after that we uh, we have a couple of things coming up um, that that cover areas like as I mentioned community is sort of a social studies kind of area uh, world cultures um, we're doing something. With uh, informational text, which is uh, nobody's touched that one yet, and uh, it's a pretty tough one, but it's uh, it's been an interesting challenge. It's a, a you know form of literacy that is about you know reading for information. So we're working on turning that into a narrative topic. so uh, so given that that you know those are, are the areas that are coming, if you have a particular passion that um you know, that's not one of those areas. Uh we would be interested in hearing about it. We are we are pretty open. I mean I, I, I really feel like um, you know, producers will come up with better ideas than I will. So I, I've tried not to uh tell people what to do. I've tried just to be open, but just to say that, you know, there there should be a curriculum, along with all those other things that you need in a show, uh, funny is still important for us. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're still looking for shows that are, are humorous. So, uh, you know, just a sort of a, a spin on a curriculum that you know makes for a funny show. Pauline, um, well, we're looking for. Um the
3: older audience were open to, as I said, co production, uh, drama co production opportunities. Um, we also would love uh, comedy. Um, in our preschool end of things, we uh, just commissioned a space series as well. We're all in the same same zone, and uh, science series and uh, documentary series. Obdoc has worked really well for us, for the RTE junior audience. We've had great success with some of our Obdoc series. and. Um, would like to expand that. Um, we're just starting uh, into production on a series commissioned um, it's with, with diversity right at the centre of it, a documentary series called What Makes My Day. Um, so, I mean, documentary and ob-doc and factual and fact for under sevens is of interest
4: um, for us as well.
0: Okay, thank you. A great
4: out. animation. Um, Always on the lookout for acquisitions, so I probably have about eight, seven or eight um, animated shows a year. Um, so you know, look, looking for new ideas all the time. I'm commissioned actually up to eighteen months, um, so we're looking at uh, 2017, 2018. Um, comedy is always wonderful to to get, um, either for uh, preschool or, or most certainly for for the children's audience and that's always really important for us. Um, one thing I haven't got, and I've been asking for it, and I haven't really uh, had a huge amount of response, is a kind of family format. Um, something I was a big fan of in the Smokehouse, for example, on C B C show, where the kids you know, take over, and, and uh, you know, we haven't come up with that kind of format, so I'd be interested maybe in talking about that. I mean, we only broadcast in Welsh, so... Um, uh, you know, in a way like you, we, we can't. You know, I don't commission drama really. Uh, we don't dub live action into Welsh at all. Um, so if you're not a Welsh language company or if you don't know um, producers in Welsh, then you know, you, and you have an idea, then it's it's worth having a chat to see how how you can move that forward. Or um, but do you know? Do get in touch and yes and have a chat.
5: Okay. What about you, Deirdre? Don't worry, I won't go through that whole list again, but that's what I'd like. Uh, By August, we'll have a good sense of what we can move forward with, but from next year, we will be going to market with briefs, so it won't be a mystery anymore. We'll make sure that's a bit more formalised. But two areas of opportunity that I think we will prioritise would be fact dent with adult appeal. I look at something like Dentineers or Operation Ouch, which is my favourite show, works very well in Australia. You know, you watch that, you get adults watching that and loving it, so I think that's an area of growth, particularly for UK. Um, The other thing is general entertainment with kid appeal. So you look at shows like Gogglebox and Goggle Sprogs, you know, no one's done that successfully in Canada, but, you know, programs like that that live in that adult general entertainment world but actually have extraordinary kid appeal. So I'd love, I, I mean, I know a few of them, but there's bound to be lots of really good ideas, whether it's in a quiz show format or, or more of, of the Gogglebox sort of model, but there's got to be something there that I think I'd like to find. So
0: what can our audience or the producers or creative people in our audience do to present their work to you besides... Running like maniacs to the pitch sessions after this and hoping they're one of the first and have the chance to talk to you. How do they approach you? Deirdre?
5: Um, I would wait till August because then we'll have a better sense of what we can do. Um, I'm a big emailer, I'm very bad on the phone, or well, sometimes I can pick up the phone, but uh, we're still going through some structural change. So I'm just telling everybody and writing down my email address anyway uh, if you need it. Um, because we will eventually have more formalised processes of how we can get back to people really quickly. But bear with us for a little bit. Everybody's been extraordinarily patient, for which I'm very grateful. Okay.
4: And for us, uh, yes, email or else have a look at our commissioning website. If you go to s 4 uh commissioning, um, you'll find out there what, what you know what, what's available and who to contact and, and how. So um, that's the best way, really. Uh,
3: Similarly, we have a a commissioning website, rte.ie, I think it's forward slash commissioning, um, and an e commissioning system. So we operate in a rolling round. So if you have ideas that you wanted to submit, you can do at any point. Um, But we do, as we're kind of doing specific call outs for specific genre or types, we put those up on the um, commissioning website as well or through Screen Producers Ireland. I'm happy to take emails or just kind of, you know, initial approaches or initial outlines of, of projects, which I can give a very quick no. That's not what we're looking for, or yes, that's worth submitting. Um, and the other thing is just on the animation side of the house, it. Um, Generally speaking, for animation, you know, beyond just straight acquisitions, uh, we do look for companies to partner with Irish with Irish animation studios. So, for the for our commissioning budget from animation, we are really open to people who are coming with an Irish co-producer, and that the the contact can be made through the Irish partner.
0: Okay, is there is there on your website a section with? Irish co-producers. Where do I find them? Yeah,
3: no, there isn't. (laughs) But uh, Animation Ireland has a brand new website, and it's just I think animationireland.com. But it uh, lists all of its member companies and links to their websites. So it's really worth actually just kind of going and scooting around that website and just familiarising yourself with the um, the animation studios in Ireland, what kind of projects they do, and who kind of is working in the same area, or whose work you like, um, you know, and who you might like to. Partner with, uh, and we're always happy to meet with.
0: Okay, thank you, Pauline. Linda. I think the uh,
2: the the easiest thing to do is email, and uh, especially since you know we're in the U.S. Um, and I would suggest, um, you know, just sort of a short email to start with. And sometimes it can be as as simple as just saying, you know, uh, I saw you at at uh, at CMC. Uh, I have a show about X, and uh, would love to send it. And then, you know, you'll get an email back from me, you know, with a sort of any direction of, okay, send it to this person, or yes, send it on, or we've got something just like that, but we're happy to take a look. Um, and then, then you can send it. But I, I think it's it's important to make that personal connection first. I get a lot of emails from salespeople, that start out, dear Lisa and and um that unnerves me because it's not my name. So uh and and then it, you know and then in the course of the letter sometimes it, people forget to change to take out Nickelodeon and put in PBS and so we think your show is our our show is perfect for Nickelodeon and I email back yes it is here's their address send it to them. So so and and you're all laughing but I'd say at least once a day, I get I get an email that some person didn't really think through or didn't proofread, and it it you know, I sometimes hit delete, and other times I just I give it to the intern if it says dear Lisa on it, and um, unless the person does know me and they really think I should be named Lisa because it's not a bad name, but um, but. I think just making that personal connection really helps and uh and, and you know the personal connection usually gets a personal response, a really late personal response a lot of the time and I apologize for that, but you know, I, I at least will be able to take it, think about it, think about, you know, is there anything else we could do to get together if this doesn't work? Um, you know, if it feels like I was sent the email as part of a mass mailing I will sort of respond equally ambivalently. So um and I, I say this sort of along the lines of: if you take anything with you today, this is good advice, <laughs> because people get it wrong a lot. And, and you know, and it, it just think about what you're saying in the email. And and, uh, and then you know, we sometimes, sometimes you know, we'll move to the phone after you know, if the if the show looks like it's it's in an interesting direction for us. But uh, email is, a, I think, a perfectly reasonable way to start. Thank you, Lisa.
1: Uh, Linda. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> we, uh, um Email first to get a meeting with the acquisition team, mainly for international projects. Uh, and then uh, a proper meeting. They are attending any market uh, all around the world. So all the cartoon masters, uh, MIP. Kid screen, they are, they are there, so you, sh- you should find them. If you don't know them, I'm happy to make the go-between and to help you to connect with them. We have also a team with distributing content, as France Television, and if you are looking for uh, a service like that, I'm also happy to make the go-between for you. Um, and that's all, and if you don't go to markets, they, they can do purely email communication.
0: Okay, um, I think it's time for some questions. Does anybody have a question (laughs) for our Muppet friends on stage?
1: We never go backstage. In the the Muppet (laughs) show, we go backstage every five minutes. I know, I know,
0: I know.
6: (laughs) Hello, um, my name is Sonia Copeland-Bloom, and I've got an animation on um, Bugglebury. Uh, I I would like to ask the commissioners, um, when they're thinking about content, how far um, this sort of an anomaly, I mean, we all love animation and we all know how what good things it can do to influence children. But we also must realize, we also probably realize that uh, every parent in the world, mothers and fathers, are very, very concerned that their children spend seven and a half hours uh, a day in front of screens. and. Uh, you know, um, one of the best ways of children, to, educa- to educate children, is for them to be spending time outdoors playing, playing in nature. Um, I mean, Linda uh, mentioned nature. But I just wondered how far, when you're thinking about content, you also are aware you know, that children m- must be outside. They must learn about the planet, mini-beasts, and the world, and, and how far that might reflect in the planning of your content um, because animation's whole object is to fill children's hours on the screen, seven and a half hours a day. And only 30% have ever been on a country walk. 30% of children never go on a farm. And I think parents throughout the world, it's a very, very big problem for them. And I think all of us that have children, which is probably everybody in the whole... You know, might be uh, here, are really concerned about that uh, as well.
1: I, I, I believe the good thing is what, what you are saying back 10 years ago was quite difficult for us because we only had a TV box and it was difficult to switch off. And now we have apps and on all our apps uh, the parents can decide when kids Uh, quit television and go in the garden, so technology helps us. Um, But on a more general vision, uh, I think the people who are uh, on this stage all all share the the ambition to, to give more than just entertainment to children, and to really educate, help them to live, and help them to grow, and not only to spend hours in front of the television. I remember at some point Nickelodeon had made a kind of campaign And they had a a day where they were not broadcasting. And they still do a lot of social
5: work to educate parents and kids about why it's important to turn it off.
1: But our goal is not at all to keep them in front of the TV all day long.
3: And it does impact the kind of programs that that we commission. I mean, they... um in programs that, that, that we're kind of just going into production on, it's you know, it's people have come in with ideas on like, you know, uh, well, we've one series called How to Do Everything, and it's uh, you know, teaching kids how to teach their dog how to fetch, how to find the North Star in the sky, how to whatever. So they're all about kind of teaching kids how to take skills and bring them to the outdoors. We had another series called Forest Force, which was all about how to, you know, build bark boats and race them down rivers. So actually what what we're doing through the live action end of things is, is kind of trying to enthuse kids and get them to actually go and, and try
2: stuff for themselves. Yeah, we have the, the message in, in just about every one of our shows telling kids to go out and play. And we even have uh, the show Nature Cat. The whole purpose of it is to show kids about nature and get them outside. And so we hear from a lot of kids about the stuff that they've gone outside to do. And it, you know, that we think that's good. But you know, at the very base of all of this, we have jobs to make shows. So we can't, we can't not do that. I think probably everybody's attitude is, you know, we do make shows, let's make the best shows possible, and let's encourage kids to go outside and to, to not watch TV all day, but to go outside and play. And to some degree, as you pointed out, the, you know, the parents have a little bit of responsibility as well.
1: If if I may add, the issue is not from us. Today, when kids spend seven hours in front of a TV screen, it's mainly in front of Minecraft. And uh, you have many, many many data on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, all all that new trend of watching other kids playing video gaming, uh, it's really something that is time consuming. But technology allows parents to control that. So it's a common responsibility between the people who are doing content online and the parents. And probably, public service will have at some point to help parents to well understand that. Uh, but it's, it's a key, key point, and it's not only from our side.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that as children's media partners, we're responsible of making good content available. And it's still the responsibility of the parents to um, make sure that children a variety of activities. Thanks for your question. Anybody else? I can't see anything, so... Yeah.
1: Ah. Uh, hi. Um, I spoke to... Uh, Pauline just mentioned earlier that uh, RT, the radio content, I wondered if any of the other broadcasters had plans to either uh, increase or introduce uh, audio output.
0: Anybody ABC care certainly
5: to...? ABC is looking at audio. I mean, it helps with a, a broadcaster that has an enormous radio heritage. So, you know, there's there's multiple radio networks as part of the ABC uh, remit. So, it makes sense for them to work out how we could get into either uh, radio stations for families, but also audio. So, I think that's a growth area for them. Uh, Chorus has a really significant radio presence too, but it tends to target uh, younger audiences. But I'd love to get my Uh, you know, some ideas in there about what we could do in radio. I think it's really important. And podcasting particularly has got so much potential for parents and kids. So (coughs) it's a good idea.
2: (coughs) Uh,
5: At at Chorus, it's early days. So there's not much I can do now, but I definitely... You'd be tapping into the ABC children's area and ABC radio itself because give me six months.
0: Okay, I think we have time for one last question here. The gentleman in the front, maybe, who's been yeah. sitting with his arm up for a very long time. <laughs> he
5: always
2: has very good um, one of the things I'm always fascinated by when I speak to kids, I spend a lot of time with kids, especially at the slightly older age, is how much adult or grown-up content they're consuming. You know, nine-year-olds watching *The Walking Dead* stuff like that, and I'm just—I'm just curious from you guys, from a positive perspective, if there's trends or creative trends in grown-up primetime stuff that you're interested in bringing into kids. Um, If you're seeing interesting things, like you know, us as adults, what we're watching, if there's things you're interested in bringing into into kids programming, uh, in terms of storytelling techniques or or trends.
1: It's it's so true that they don't watch only what we do for them. And at no point they, they think that there is somebody who is doing uh, content for them in the morning and somebody who is doing something else in prime time. So in France, we have a lot, of, a lot to do on that to make sure that it goes well from one, one block to the other. Uh, in the industry, you can really see the influence of TV reality in, in the way live action is done. Uh, and I think it's good. I think it's good that they, they we use the same kind of tools than our colleagues in in Prime Time. I'm a big fan of what the BBC has done on the iP- on the new iPlayer version, the BBC iPlayer Kids version, where you d- you don't have any boundary between the family content that is in Prime Time and what is done in in daytime. Uh, Doctor Wu, and and it's true that in the UK also the, the creative people can go from Prime to Day, from my understanding quite easily, which is very different uh, in France. So I think we have no interest in building boundaries between those two, and uh, and that it will be uh, also new opportunities everywhere.
5: I think to be creatively ambitious around scripted, so you can have something that is a little bit more experimental and much lower cost, but also those big high-end pieces. Why aren't we doing family shows? Why aren't we making the next Merlin? You know? We should be doing that, because we're actually the experts at that. It's just my old beef. But, uh, it, <laughs> The other thing, I think, that, that why they're going to those shows is they're looking for shared experience. So when we talk about family content, have spent years sitting there, what does that mean? And you think, I think it's sitting around a dinner table so your nine-year-old son can talk to, to their dad about, or, you know, a brother about um, why they like Walking Dead. So it's the characters or it's the casting or there's something that they feel they can share with people that are older or members of their family. And you think you see them going to the shows that are talkable. Uh, you know and, and so when i see a family concept i think would somebody sit around the, the dinner table talking about the new doctor or you know or the bachelorette or something like that you know it's 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 a good benchmark to use but i think we need to start owning that space cuz we're very good at it
3: it's uh, like in the the kids' department, we don't have access to the number the, to the, the first channel, to rte One, um, and we're kind of we're in our little slot on the second channel, RT Two, which is multi-genre, and it comes from seven o'clock on. It's it's adult. Um, but in latter years, we've, I've been trying to kind of pitch to the RTE1 uh, um, controller for family slots in the early evening on the weekends, just because actually, if you're making good family mm. game shows and some of the quiz formats or game show formats that we do, like you could really see them working for a family audience around tea time. And, you know, I'm trying to Pitch to kind of not be ghettoized into kids' programs. The other interesting thing was when we did audience research for RTE Junior quite recently, we're massive amongst the 55 to 75s. <laughs> and we're trying to kind of figure it out. I'd say some of it is, you know, kind of grandparents, you know, minding younger children and stuff. and But I think a lot of it is just the kind of the gentle and, you know, and and uh, the content that we have programs like Our Farm, the Obdoc series. I think that, you know, older generations generations really just respond to it it's really nice and kind of you know gentle in context I've kind of you know, a lot of the you know the harsh more cynical programming on, on the adult channels yeah. they just kind of they just enjoy it so okay. yeah I think uh, you know kind of going after family stuff the other thing is that children it's really funny just when you're talking about them um, children being influenced by adult formats when you go out to make a program with children they're actually queuing up to do their post event kind of interview their thoughts on how they <laughs> felt it went. And you know they're really, really kind of savvy about reality formats and like you know what's expected from them and uh, the kind of language to use and that. So like they really are. They they're yeah. they're just you know they don't see it as kind of you know as adult programs and kids programs. They just see it as, as entertainment or programming. Absolutely. And you know yeah. and, and they want to interact with that as well.
0: Okay. You know, Thank
4: you. Same you know, with the family shows and so on. I mean I think there's a, there's a lot of scope there. Uh, and sports and soaps always, always have been so, um, you know, intergenerational. Yeah. Really. Yeah.
1: But if you think about it, the opposite way, uh, binge viewing, which is a big trend for all the all the industry, comes from kids. The first programming schedules we were doing binge viewing sessions, back-to-back episodes, were our programming reads and now mm. it's the way, as Vod is done, it's the way the big programming people in networks are working also. So
0: there you go, kids television makers or kids television programmers as trendsetters. That's what these people are, trendsetters. I would like to thank my panel. I would like to thank all of you. Uh, for listening to us. I'm glad uh, Miss Piggy didn't hit anyone. I'm glad Animal didn't freak out. And I'm glad that Beaker actually for the first time ever made some sense, because normally (laughs) he just said beep, 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 right? (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much for coming, and enjoy lunch.